Hello, I'm M3, and this is my opinion for Wednesday, September 19th, 2018. Here today to recap SmackDown Live from last night, in which the superstars of Tuesday night began uh, their build toward Super Showdown coming up two weeks from Saturday night. Or should I say Saturday morning? I still can't believe that event is going to take place at 5 o'clock a.m. in uh, East Coast time. Still not sure if I'm going to get up that early or if I'll just watch it later. But we're coming off Hell in the Cell, starting to see things get put together for uh, Super Showdown from the SmackDown side, including the continued rivalry of The Miz and Daniel Bryan, which has probably been the, the number one talking point on SmackDown Live for the better part of two months. Of course, we were, they made us wait for this rivalry uh, when Daniel Bryan and The Miz were once again on the same brand after Daniel being cleared to wrestle and Miz being transferred over in the superstar shakeup. And so far in all of this, The Miz has got the better hand of things. Would it be cheating at SummerSlam? Would it be the mixed tag match at Hell in a Cell in which uh, him and his wife cheated to defeat uh, Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella? Now, The Miz and Daniel Bryan will face off one more time two weeks from Saturday in Melbourne, Australia. This time where the winner will receive a future shot at the WWE Championship. So now a little bit of an incentive to add some more intrigue to this rivalry. Yet the figure going into last night, Miz was once again going to be very braggadocious about getting the better end of Daniel Bryan and this time having his wife by his side to do it to both Daniel and Bree had to make things even sweeter for him. And he he teased that he was going to have a special guest for Miz TV to begin uh, the show last night. And it turned out to be none other than his wife, Maurice, who... um, Maurice came out very slanderous of Brie Bella, claiming that she was no longer invested in her marriage with Dana Bryan, saying that she was uh, only in the marriage to stay relevant in WWE. And then Maurice announced that last night would be her last night on SmackDown for the foreseeable future before Daniel Bryan had enough of all the trash talk and interrupted uh, the proceedings here, which of course led to an in-ring fight between the Miz and uh, Daniel Bryan. And it w- was almost predictable what was going to happen next. You figured that with Maurice still in uh, the ring, that her being in the middle of this, she had the chance to uh, potentially... Uh, get hit in this uh, whole entire situation. And uh, Daniel Bryan actually drop-kicked The Miz into um, Maurice, causing her to fall to the ground, uh, leading to some worry because she was grabbing her stomach. But that turned out to be, of course, a setup that, I mean, you could see it 
right through from the beginning the fact that Maurice was rolling over on her side and at one point even rolled onto the apron on her own you knew that she wasn't really hurt it was just a way to distract Daniel Bryan and he was able to see right through it avoiding uh, the distraction of getting hit by a skull crossing finale and once again uh sending the um, the uh, Miz into his uh, wife, Maurice, knocking her onto the arena floor and then um, knocking uh, Miz uh, out of the ring as well to close out the opening segment of the show. I and mean, now it's interesting. They, they take out the wives element of this whole thing, though. I still wonder, could you maybe see Maurice and Brie Bella face off at Evolution at the end of October? That that remains to be seen. But you take the wives out of this and you change the dynamic of this rivalry because it now goes from being a personal rivalry to now being both men looking toward their future, looking toward uh, the opportunity to being the top guy on uh, SmackDown Live with the fact that a chance at the WWE Championship dangles right in front of them. And got to think that with that opportunity on the line and then the fact that you have Crown Jewel coming up one month later, that in all likelihood is the destination of where the winner of that match will face the winner of the WWE Championship match taking place on the same night. After defeating Rusev Day at Hell in the Cell, the New Day has already been informed of their next challengers for the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championship. And that will be the bar. That match will take place at Super Showdown in two weeks. And you have to figure this rivalry was eventually going to happen over the championship. Remember, when the bar first came to SmackDown Live in the shakeup back in April, that was who their initial rivalry was before they uh, disappeared for a couple of months. Uh, now, since re-emerging in August, they've been trying to get opportunities at the tag team championships, whether it be the tournaments or series of matches that Paige has been putting together and with the fact that the New Day has pretty much faced everyone so far you have to figure the bar was the next line. They were in the number one contenders match uh, last week but failed to get that opportunity. Now they'll get an opportunity at the New Day. We've seen these two teams have some very good matches whether it be tag matches or singles matches in the, the last couple of months we saw them face off for an opportunity to qualify for the money in the bank ladder match a couple months ago they faced off to decide who was going to face the bludgeon brothers for the smackdown tag titles um going into SummerSlam. so now it gives uh, them an opportunity to battle for the championship we got a little preview of that last night as Cesaro went one-on-one uh, with Kofi Kingston and of course both teams uh, were ringside to uh, watch uh, their respective teammates uh, back and now it wasn't one of their best television matches but it's always fun when you see these two teams get together especially when uh, Cesaro being the stronger guy has the advantage throughout the match and then Kingston uh, 
being a guy that's always uh, trying to fight from behind, always is uh, a guy that can can rally when he gets the pace quickened. Uh, he's always been someone that's really fun to watch, but uh, unfortunately, his speed got the best of him uh, late because uh, you know Kingston thought he had things going after hitting. Uh, a big uh, rolling tornado DDT and then look for trouble in paradise. But it was uh, avoided by Cesaro and was able to hit the uh, neutralizer, something we haven't seen him do a lot in uh, last year or so. Uh, usually uh, it's a double team move with Sheamus. In fact, we haven't seen these two have many singles matches at all in the last year. Usually they do that... Uh, Double team the Irish curse from the top rope, where it's Sheamus winning uh, the match with uh, the bro kick. So, the, the a rare singles uh, victory for Sheamus, and be uh, fun to see what these two teams are go going to do at Super Showdown. This is a, one of those matches that just like how the Shield versus McIntyre and Ziggler stole the show at TLC or. Now, excuse me, Hell in the Cell, this match could definitely steal the show at Super Showdown. At Hell in the Cell, there were two Hell in the Cell matches. One from the Raw side, one from the SmackDown side. Now, while the one from the Raw side w was the more high-profile match, being as it was for the Universal Championship, you had interference from Strowman's uh, pack of war, as he calls them, the Dogs of War, or... Interference from the Shield, and as well as Brock Lesnar breaking into the Hell in the Cell. The one from the SmackDown side featuring Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy was definitely the more gruesome of the two matches, especially when you consider all the weapons that got involved in this, using multiple ladders, tables getting involved, and the fact that Randy Orton at one point pulled out a toolbox and used a screwdriver to put in the hole of Jeff Hardy's earring uh, like he's done with his fingers over the last couple months was just sick and disturbing. And Jeff's own risk-taking is what ca caught him in the end trying to jump off of hanging from the cell to put Orton through a table. And to make it even more demonic, Randy Orton demanded the referee count the pinfall when Jeff was hurt and uh, the ref was looking to stop the match. Add to Orton's sickness is the fact that last night he uh, took control of things in the production truck, intimidating uh, someone from the production staff to the point where they were continuing to uh, show the clip over and over of Randy Orton putting the screwdriver in Jeff Hardy's ear and twisting his ear around, like giving him some kind of sick enjoyment. Even going as far as saying that, that all of that he did on Sunday night, whether it was that, whipping Jeff in the back with his own belt, and even Jeff got him pretty good at some points, leading to Randy getting a cut open on his back and on his leg. Even even with all that happening in this match, Randy said that this is nothing compared to what 
happens to his next victim. So just makes you wonder who's next on Orton's hit list. Because remember, he said he was out to erase Jeff Hardy's uh, enigma. He was out to erase uh, Jeff Hardy. Uh, and now that he's taken him out, which fan favorite is he coming for next being as when he returned in July, he, he was all about taking out the people that he felt were getting the respect and adulation from the WWE Universe that he felt he truly deserved. So I'm waiting to see where the Viper strikes next. After failing to capture the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championship on Sunday night, Rusev was given another opportunity to win a championship by getting a match against the one champion who did not have to defend their title on Sunday, that being United States champion Shinsuke Nakamura. And backstage prior to the match, Rusev was talking about the match with his wife Lana and their uh, associate Aiden English and he had kind of told Aiden that he didn't want Aiden out there because there was a feeling by him and Lana that Aiden's overzealousness cost them the match on Sunday night and Aiden was really annoyed about this even going as far as when he thought they had walked away talking about Rusev Day was all his idea he, he would be nothing without having him around but Lana had heard that and threatened to tell Rusev this before the match but before she had a chance to Rusev had Aiden go out introduce him uh, with the whole Rusev Day stuff uh, prior to the match and throughout the match, you could see dissent between Aiden and Lana ringside as Aiden's somewhat rooting Rusev on while Lana's looking at him disgusted, waiting uh, for the match to be over to tell Rusev what English had said about the two of them backstage. Unfortunately, once again, Aiden's overzealousness got the best of Rusev because Rusev was able to block most of Nakamura's kicks, knee strikes, even uh, an attempt at the Kinshasa. And you know, just when it looked like he was going to win with the Moscow kick, Aiden English got up on the apron, uh, cheering Rusev on, and that distraction provided enough time for Nakamura to get up, roll up Rusev, and score the victory to successfully defend his title. The shocker here is what happened after the match because I've had a feeling for months that the Rusev Day angle was going to be coming to an end. You were going to be seeing Lana and Rusev split off from Aiden English, but I did not see it happening this way where Aiden English would be the one turning heel, attacking Rusev after the match, attacking him with the microphone and standing over him in frustration of... Uh, while saying happy Rusev Day. And while this is a moment people have been waiting for for a while, see, because it, it, everything that's happened over recent months has felt like it's building toward this Aiden accidentally costing Rusev matches, costing him his opportunity at the WWE Championship. 
there's been a feeling that Rusev would eventually get tired of Aiden English and turn on him and go back to uh, being the Bulgarian brute he was before uh, this whole Rusev Day storyline started. It's just kind of a weird direction to go in here because a guy like Aiden English breaking off on his own not really any direction for him especially you know Rusev's going to come after him for revenge and it's not believable for Aiden to have the upper hand over a guy the size of Rusev unless it's anything but a cheap shot as it was uh, last night also going to be uh, interesting to see the fact that the crowd really got over on Rusev with having English there singing uh, his entrance, uh, talking him up, getting the Rusev Day chant going. Now the breakup here, you wonder not just how it affects Aiden English as a heel, but how does this affect Rusev in the long term? Um, is it even possible to keep the whole idea of chanting Rusev Day alive and keep that possible with him as a face and not having Aiden English by his side. We saw a controversial ending to the WWE Championship match on Sunday night at Hell in a Cell when Samoa Joe had locked AJ Styles in the Coquina Clutch and AJ had pulled off a counter to get it into a pinfall, but on an angle that the ref couldn't see by looking at Samoa Joe's shoulders, he couldn't see that AJ Styles was actually tapping out, and this left Joe enraged, demanding a rematch against the phenomenal one for Super Showdown, this time with no disqualifications, no countouts. There must be a winner, and he's been granted uh, that opportunity. And while Styles uh, was successful in uh, defending his title, he realizes that he's got a whole new challenge ahead of him coming up in two weeks. But before he can get to that, he had to deal with someone that he's been very familiar with in the last couple months, once again going up against of the upstart Andrade Cien Almas. And Almas you know, took advantage of um, AJ Styles early in the match by uh, attacking him before the bell as AJ was still making his entrance. And uh, instead of uh, quitting on the match, uh, AJ opted to uh, stay in it. And you know, for the first couple minutes, Almas... Uh, really had a uh, true advantage over Styles. As Styles is still somewhat reeling from the match against Joe on Sunday and distracted, probably thinking about his title match coming up against Joe in two weeks. But eventually Styles was able to get in the match. And, you know, we've seen some good back-and-forth matches between these two guys every time they've faced off in the last couple of months, showing you that... They really have uh, high hopes and big plans for uh, Almas. Even though he hasn't been in a true rivalry yet, I mean, the closest thing he's had to a rivalry is when he attacked Sankara a 
couple of months ago. Other than that, he's either been helping out The Miz in his war against Daniel Bryan or facing AJ Styles as he goes through this rivalry with Samoa Joe. He hasn't been giving that true first rivalry yet has almost although as I'll discuss a little bit later on maybe we could see that come to an end with some news that came out today but these two guys they've had some very good matches on uh, Smackdown Live I'd I'd love to see them in an extended singles program even if it's uh, without WWE Championship on the line even if it's after AJ's done with his feud with Joe and he possibly loses the title because Almas is someone that seems to have good chemistry in the ring with AJ. And you look at the last year that Almas has had, the fact that he goes from a guy that had a lot of talent in NXT but at times being uh, overlooked to now in the last year he's strung together a really good year with being NXT champion, getting moved up to SmackDown, and then having high-profile matches on SmackDown with Styles, Daniel Bryan, uh, being uh, in the ring with Rusev. So, So it wasn't like they just gave AJ some walk in the park to deal with last night. He had to, uh, to really uh, battle through, even with the sneak attack in the beginning of the match. And I thought one of the uh, more uh, creative uh, things they did in the match was the way it ended when it looked like Styles was going to uh, r- avoid the uh, hammerlock DDT and uh, do a roll-up, but instead he flips back and and catches almost in a Styles clash and gets the victory. Now, of course, the fact that we hadn't heard from Samoa Joe all night, you figured that he was lurking somewhere, and he came out after the match, attacked AJ from behind, but Styles was not going to have it tonight with all he's put up with uh, Samoa Joe over the last couple months. He was not going to be the prey to another one of Samoa Joe's uh, sneak attacks and did something we've rarely seen, sent Joe running away, avoiding uh, uh, any more of a confrontation, avoiding AJ getting uh, the upper hand here. So we've got a great match between these two to look forward to for Super Showdown. No disqualification, no count out. But what you take out of this segment is how it's, how far the animosity has gone between these two in the last several months, how personal it's gotten and it's become about more than just the WWE championship, but also the continued growth development and high expectations. It looks like there is for the future for Andrade Cien Almas. Two weeks ago, Oscar saved Naomi from getting beat down by the Iconics. After announcing uh, last week that the two of them are now going to be working together and will be facing the Iconics at Super Showdown, Asuka got her first chance at facing one of the members of the Iconics and going up against Billy Kay. And early on, uh, what was just going at it with her quick strike offense. There was a brief moment where Billy Kay 
got the advantage thanks to a distraction by Peyton Royce ringside. But you knew the end was going to be near eventually for Billy Kay because, uh, I mean, it's just still not believable. As fun as uh, the Iconics characters are, it's not believable for either one of them to be able to defeat Asuka via pinfall. I mean, could they beat her by countout? Yeah, cause a distraction. But I don't think anything that they do as uh, far as kind of distracting her is going to be enough to get the upper hand over her. And now you're going to see these two teams, Asuka and Naomi and the Iconics face off at Super Showdown. It's a continuation of something I brought up on my recap podcast for Raw uh, yesterday. You're seeing Naomi and Asuka align. You got the Iconics. We haven't seen uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville in a while, but they're still a team together. You've got women's tag teams over on Monday Night Raw. I really do believe that this is all building toward an eventual WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. A, a championship that will be defended across both brands, maybe even defended in NXT and NXT UK when that brand gets started up. Because it's the only thing that's really left as far as the women's evolution go. That and possibly maybe main eventing a WrestleMania eventually. Who knows? Maybe that could happen sooner than you think. SmackDown closed out last night with a championship coronation for the new SmackDown Women's Champion, Becky Lynch, after her victory over Charlotte Flair on Sunday night, which you got to believe it drew a lot of excitement from uh, the crowd because as we've seen all along from this rivalry, they've tried to turn Becky Lynch heel and it hasn't worked. The fans are still on her side and are booing Charlotte Flair. I know we saw a, a lot of cockiness, arrogance from uh, Becky last night, uh, basking in the glory in the fact that this is her moment. But before she could... Uh, really say anything noteworthy. She actually called Charlotte Flair out to uh, the ring to uh, see this moment. Uh, although Paige was worried it was going to turn into an an issue, Charlotte uh, promised she was not there to fight. She just wanted to uh, congratulate Becky and tell her he, she was the better woman and went on uh, praising her but then uh, talking about their eventual rematch at Super Showdown, although Becky uh, said that that she wasn't paying attention to anything that Charlotte said, showing a lot of cockiness and arrogance uh, there, uh, saying that the only thing she wanted to hear from Charlotte was that she was the better woman, and uh, even uh, threw a lot of insults at her waist, saying that she wanted Charlotte to put the belt around her waist, wanted her to refer to us as queen, even at one point called her a bitch. And that's what insinuated a brawl between the two of them that at first you thought Charlotte, oh, she's got the upper hand in this thing, throwing Becky 
out of the ring, but once things got ringside, Becky got uh, the upper hand in just beating down Charlotte again, uh, uh, throwing her over the announce table, uh, throwing her back in the ring, hitting her with the Beck Sploder before locking her in the disarm her before walking up the rampway and SmackDown closing out with her standing at the top of the stage holding up the championship. And I know what they were trying to do with this segment. They were uh, trying to make Becky Lynch look like an asshole. But if anything, they made her look even uh, more uh, over with the fans with her uh, insulting of Charlotte, her cockiness, her arrogance. They're trying to make her a heel, but it's not working. The crowd is still backing her. They're chanting, you deserved it after her uh, winning the championship. Now, I will say this. She was so good in this role so far. It's hard to believe that They've waited this long to turn her into heel. I, I understood before because she was always uh, the underdog, uh, that, the lovable underdog that everybody uh, rooted for and wanted better things for. But now as, as uh, this uh, character that she's become, it's, it seems like she's become even more popular than she ever was before, taking everything Charlotte Flair said for her sincere words and then just mocking her and basking in the glory of finally defeating Charlotte for a, a women's championship. Now, she's still got to face Charlotte again at Super Showdown, but you know, so far her championship reign is off to a fairly successful start. I want to close out today with the news that is about to come out from WWE, and that's that they have re-signed future WWE Hall of Famer and former World Heavyweight Champion Rey Mysterio. He's coming back very soon to a two-year contract. Now we've we've seen Rey a couple times in the last year on WWE. Participate in the Royal Rumble. Then he participated in, in the Greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia. And if you were really uh, into pro wrestling as I am, you checked out that event that was held earlier this month by Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks. That all-in event that they were able to put together and was uh, a wildly successful in doing so. He participated in the main event of that show. It's been a long time since we've seen Rey Mysterio part of the WWE full-time. The last I can remember was, I think it was 2013 at Survivor Series when his team lost to a team led by The Shield, a night that really beginning in the uh, the growth of Roman Reigns when he eliminated four members of the opposing team to be the sole survivor. And a lot of it has been because over the years, recent years, especially Rey Mysterio has dealt with some injuries, especially some knee issues, but seems to be fairly healthy now. Now, I'm not sure if this deal is a full-time deal or he's going to work you know, the Brock Lesnar type uh, deal or if he'll be back full-time as we've seen other superstars who have come back like Bobby Lashley do. 
but it'll be good to see the master of the 619 back part of things. I would personally like to see him on SmackDown Live because there's, I think there's so much potential for so many great feuds. I mentioned earlier how Andrade Cien Almas has not had one real legitimate feud since coming to SmackDown. That could be a perfect uh, starting ground for him going up against a legend like Rey Mysterio. There's other options, though, for Rey to face. We've never seen him face AJ Styles. We've never seen him face Samoa Joe. I don't think he's faced Daniel Bryan. There's plenty of other guys, members of the bar, the the New Day. He, he hasn't uh, gone up against uh, those guys. So there's plenty of... Uh, top stars for him uh, to face over on uh, the blue brand. Plus, when you think of Rey Mysterio and his career in WWE, the first thought that comes to mind is his time on SmackDown. That's when he's had his most success. When he went to Raw, not to say that he got buried, but he was very rarely in the limelight. He had that one night in which in 2000. 11, I think it was. Yeah, 2011, after they did the storyline of CM Punk winning the WWE title and walking out on WWE, they crowned a new WWE champion when he won that tournament in the finals against The Miz. And later that night, on the same night, defended the title and lost it to John Cena. So, being on Raw hasn't always been the best thing for Mysterio. So I, I think if best you give that extra piece of star power to the blue brand. And that's where the master of the 619 can uh, begin the, his next chapter in WWE. Wonder where and when he's going to reemerge. Could it be at Super Showdown? Could it be at Crown Jewel? I don't know, but... The fact that this is seemingly a done deal, it sounds like it's going to be a return for him very, very soon. Maybe even as soon as Super Showdown or even the 1,000th episode of SmackDown Live coming up next month. For this Wednesday, September 19th, 2018, I'm M3 and that was my opinion Remember, follow me on Twitter at M3 Rosansky, as well as check out my other podcast, Keeping It Sports with M3. You can find it on the Facebook page. Uh, I've made facebook.com slash Keeping It Sports with M3. Everyone, enjoy the rest of your night, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Peace.